0: Well, good morning. It's great to be uh, with you again. Thank you, Stephen, for your warm uh, words of welcome. Uh, And I do bring to you the greetings of uh, Central Baptist uh, Church. I guess under normal circumstances, I'd be a little bit disappointed if this was the the size of the congregation. Um, But of course, these are not normal circumstances. We continue to live, don't we, through challenging and difficult days, hope on the horizon, but hope not yet Realized for many of us, and I think because of that, the uh, Lord has put essentially one question on my heart for today that we want to come at uh, both morning and evening, albeit in slightly different ways and that 's the question of trust that 's the question of uh, hope. Where do we put our trust in whom do we put our hope and I want to come at it this morning by looking at this uh, section of isaiah isaiah chapter twenty eight I hope you have a Bible in front of you because we'll be looking uh, probably at verses 1 to 13 before uh, looking at verses uh, 16 uh, to 18 together. And like much of Isaiah, it's a section that comes to us with some uh, hard words and some challenging words and then with some glorious words that come like a ray of sunshine and break into the darkness. So let's uh, pray, shall we, together before we look at Isaiah 28 together. And Lord, it is to you that we uh, look, we pray that as we come to your word, difficult, challenging though it can be, you might give us this morning minds that are attentive and hearts that are receptive to what you would be saying to us, the people of God, in our day. Even as, Lord, you spoke so uh, challengingly and so compassionately to the people of God in Isaiah's day. Lord, I pray for any this morning who are particularly feeling a sense of weariness or a burden because of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. Lord, that you might lift up their hearts, indeed that you might lift up all of our hearts away from our circumstances to look to you and Lord, to be encouraged to place our trust and our hope in you. For this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, what do you do when things get difficult? How do you react? Where do you turn? Who do you trust? As I said, these are not really academic themes for us in these days, are they? Who do you trust? Where do you turn to? Not just to provide reliable information, but to give the solution. And that not just in these challenging days of COVID, but through all of life's storms, throughout all of life's challenges, that is, of course, a question that we all face. And it's a question that Christian people in the church of Jesus Christ have to face repeatedly. And that especially when we encounter challenging times. As long as everything is flowing downstream in a steady movement of encouragement, it might not be something that we consciously have to reckon with. But when we hit more difficult, more choppy waters, then the issue of where we are putting our trust is brought into sharp focus. That question of who you trust, it is first and foremost for the people of God, a spiritual question. It's a question of faith. Is our instinct to reactively come up with our own solutions to look in, or to look around, to look to others for the answers, or to look up, to look to our God. Well, thus has it always been, and Isaiah 28 addresses that very question. Who do you trust when the wheels start to fall off of your life? What are your Instincts. Where will you turn? It is as timely now as it was to the people of God in Isaiah's day. The chapter opens, doesn't it, with a woe if you're reading from the NIV or an a ah if you're reading from the ESV. Pronounced against a people, pronounced against Ephraim, which was another name, you probably know this, for the ten tribes that made up northern Israel as opposed to the two tribes in the south who made up Judah. And that's where Isaiah is at the moment. And the background is this. The tribes to the north, Israel or Ephraim, have for a long time now been drifting from God. Along with their worship of, of Yahweh, they've been chasing after idols. They've been pursuing their pleasures outside of God. And as a consequence, they've begun to stumble. And now in that weakened state, her, her hostile neighbors have begun to come and to prod and to poke at the edges of their territory looking for signs of weakness in particular in particular assyria the dominant power in the region is threatening her borders once again once again i ask you what do you do when you're faced with a challenge who are you going to trust what are your instincts well sadly the instincts of israel's leaders in the face of this particular challenge were were not to turn to god Not to call the people to come together and place their trust in God. But rather, rather to come up with their own solution. So instead, they they turn to Egypt, the dominant power to the south. And so a delegation goes off and they come back, waving as it were, their newly signed treaty. Proud in their maneuvering, confident in their new formed alliance. But here's the thing. God is angry God is angry because in choosing Egypt they have rejected him and so he removes his presence and his protection from Israel who will in the years to come reap what they have sown as Assyria comes back and sweeps right through their territory decimating them as a nation and the opening six verses here that Stephen read for us they essentially describe that now approaching downfall They're hard verses to understand if you don't have a working familiarity, I guess, with the book of Isaiah. But the the wreath or the crown of verse 1 is the city that is set at the head of a fertile valley. And it's a reference to Samaria, the capital city of the 10 tribes of the north. A beautiful, fertile, wealthy, proud, luxurious city, one whose success led to affluence, but whose affluence led to indulgence, which in turn led to self-indulgence. Seen here most tragically in this belief that in the face of an external threat, they could, by their own cleverness, become their own savior. They had had it so good, so good for so long that they couldn't believe That their star would fade, that their crown would fall, that their wreath would be trampled on. But all stars fade, don't they? Whether the kingdoms or the corporations or the celebrities of this world, all are fading. None are worthy of our trust. Only God. Only God. And so verse 3 here describes the unthinkable. The trampling underfoot of the, of the glory of Israel. The destruction of her capital. The desolation of her people. Who in their time of trial. Did not heed the call to humble themselves. And to trust in God. Is there a lesson there? For a life for a church, for a nation? Is there a challenge there? Is there a word of warning? Well, of course there is. But look, even, even here, there is also a word of hope because verse five says, in that day, in that day, the Lord of hosts will be a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people. What's he talking about here? Well, he's talking about the, the believing remnant. Oh, he recognizes the, the, the rise of nominalism within the hearts of the people of God. He knows that the hearts of many are cold, that they find it so much easier to find their joys and to place their trust in almost anything other than God. But he also knows that's not the full picture. That there is always a small, faithful minority group amongst the larger group. And the thing, the thing that characterizes these people is that they don't look to their nation or culture or possessions or personalities as their glory. They don't look to anything in this world. They look to God alone as their crown and as their glory. And friends, that is always the, the testimony of the true believer. In good times as well as challenging times. If you ask them what it is that thrills their soul. That fills their horizon. That gets them out of bed in the morning. That keeps them going when life is tough. What it is that grips the mind and captures the heart. The answer will always be it is God himself. He is my Crown, He is my diadem of beauty. The Lord of hosts is the focus of my mind. He is the love of my life. He is the treasure of my soul. Knowing, loving, serving God is, the highest, is their highest goal and their deepest joy. So the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, the question I need to ask myself, is what is the wreath? What is the crown? What is the singular most important thing in your life just now? Is it the Lord Almighty? Is it the Lord of hosts? Do we glory in Him? When life is hard, do we instinctively turn to him throughout all of its twists and turns, through its joys, but also through its sorrows? Now listen, up until this point, Isaiah has been preaching a sermon. That is what Isaiah 28 is. It's a a sermon. So up until this point, he's been preaching a sermon about the northern kingdom of Israel. (laughs) But he's located in Judah, so he's been preaching it to a congregation in Judah. And here's the thing, in this divided kingdom there was no love lost between the two. So I suppose it might be a bit like if I was to use this time to rain down fire upon another church or another denomination that seemed to me, maybe that seemed to all of us as having lost the plot. Something I'm not, I hope, in the habit of doing. But you can imagine that they they don't like the north. They hear these words of judgment on someone else and they're they're fine with that because it confirms what they think while letting them off the hook so when i goes on in this 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 flowery language to speak about them as a bunch of drunkards they say yeah that's what they're like staggering about totally clueless you're going to reap what you sow and it will serve you right But then here's the thing, if you have your Bible open in front of you, Stephen didn't read these words in in verse 7, you get this switch. And the reason you get this switch is because the same problem at root is there in Judah too. Because they, at their point in history, are being tempted to to enter into foreign alliances. The, The issue that confronts Israel confronts Judah too, as it confronts the people of God in every day. It is an issue of trust. It is an issue of faith. So it's not just, do they, do you trust in God? The question is, do I trust in God? And so commentators almost universally agree that the, that the these also, if you see it there in verse 7, that the these also that are referred to there, well, that refers now to the people in front of them to the people of Judah, and to especially their leaders. And what Isaiah is doing in the mid-flow of this sermon is he's turning, he's switching, and he's saying, they also stagger from wine. They reel from beer. Now, that's not to say they were necessarily, literally staggering around as drunkards, but rather they they were drunk on their own cleverness, on their own philosophies, their ideas. And because of that, they were causing the the people to to stumble, to stagger, to pursue pragmatic solutions to their problems and political alliances for their security. And that was always, always the default position of ancient Israel. And that remains the default position of the human heart. This desire, this desire to be your own saviour, But salvation is always of God. And it comes to us through faith alone. And that by believing in his Messiah. So in Christ alone. Either looking forward to the coming of Emmanuel. As Isaiah would have done. Or by looking back to the Lord Jesus. And all that he has accomplished. But the problem here is that. Neither Israel or Judah are listening to their prophet. He's giving them what God has given him to say. But they don't care for it. They think they're too smart, too clever, too sophisticated. And so if you look on to verse 9, they say, who is he trying to teach? That's how the NIV puts it. To whom will he teach? Knowledge is what the ESV says. To children weaned from their milk, to those just taken from the breast. You know, Isaiah, like preachers in general, he he has a simple message. It runs like this Life is hard. Things are tough. You are under real threat. Now you need to respond by by looking away from yourself and your solutions. By coming before God in humble faith. And what's their response? Well in effect they turn to him and they say, do you think we're children? Who do you think you are to talk to us like this? You tell us to have faith. Do you think it's that simple? And look, if you have your Bible open there in front of you, look how they go on in verse 10. You, you actually lose a lot here in the translation from Hebrew to English where it says about Isaiah's preaching here. It's all precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Actually, the sense of flow in the, in the Hebrew language is more like this. You're, you're preaching you 're preaching it 's like it 's like blah 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 it 's like yada yada la yada it 's a lot of rambling rubbish, a lot of hot air that is in effect what they 're saying to you what are they doing well they 're mocking his message and they 're mocking his delivery that 's for sure, but more than that they 're mocking God it 's one thing to mock a preacher, and I trust that you will Never do that when your new minister arrives. But it's not just Isaiah that they're not listening to hear. It's, it's God. And in rejecting Isaiah's message, they are rejecting the God who gave it to him. But look on, even in the face of this criticism, of this mockery of Isaiah, as a faithful servant of God, he persists. He persists in calling the people to trust in God and to prove the reality of that by turning away from their their lesser gods that cannot save them. And you get a summary of his preacher in verse 12, which is striking. Because even in the face of their hostility, the message of verse 12 is not cut it out. It's not stop that. It's not what a miserable bunch of stinking sinners you are. Rather, it's about what will bring you peace, what will bring you rest, what will bring you repose, contentment, security. This is rest, says the prophet. Let the weary rest. This is repose. Not chasing after all of these other things, but putting all of your trust. Casting all of your cares, resting all of your weight entirely upon God. Let me ask you, in your life, in your circumstances, in your particular challenges today, what would that look like for you? Now, please don't hear what I'm not saying here. We continue to be in the midst of a, of a global pandemic that has, that is taking an awful toll on so, so many people. So be loving to your neighbor. Act responsibly. Behave as a good citizen when called for your vaccine. Can I, as someone who used to be a scientist and who is now a pastor, encourage you to go for it? Take it. But don't, don't look to that or to the NHS or to the government to be your savior, not in this life and not for the next. What is your only comfort in life and death asks the Heidelberg Catechism. Answer, that I am not my own but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. What was it we just sang? In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest droughts and storms. Oh, would that God would convict our hearts and transform our lives by that truth. But in Isaiah's day, the sorry truth was that it didn't. I suppose in that respect, you could say that his his preaching ministry was a real bust. Because the people, they... They criticized him. They, they, They mocked him. They didn't listen. And so God responds in verse 13 and on by literally withdrawing his word from them. It's quite a result from your preaching, isn't it? But when the intelligible word of God coming from the faithful lips of the prophet is refused and rejected and dismissed as just so much nonsense. Oh, maybe for babies, but not for me. Well, then God responds by withdrawing his word and by literally giving them over to a people whose words will be as nonsense to them. Now here in the flow of this sermon, that's a reference to the Babylonian invasion that will eventually overrun uh, Judah and lead them into exile. And at its root is a failure of faith an unwillingness to trust in God alone. In their foreign alliances, the leaders of both Israel and Judah, they're playing with fire. And at the same time, they are... They are marching the people up towards the edge of a cliff. And so Isaiah challenges them. Not maybe the popular thing to do, but it is the right thing to do. And if you look on, he challenges them in in verse 18, which Stephen did read for us, over what he calls their, their covenant with death. Well, what's that about? Well, it's about this. In the face of trouble, the leaders have gone off to Egypt and they've come back waving their treaties, essentially proclaiming peace in our time. Not so, says Isaiah. It's a covenant with death and God will rip it up. Your only hope is to put your Trust is to put your confidence in God. For thus says the Lord God. Verse 16. Behold I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion. A stone. A tested stone. A precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. And whoever believes in him. Shall never be dismayed. Never. Never. Now, in the New Testament, in 1 Peter, it is made clear for us that this verse is speaking about Jesus. About Jesus who came as the fulfillment of all that the prophets had spoken of, of all of the plans and purposes of God. So the only way that you can be sure that you will be secure when the, feel, when the wheels fall off. In the storms of life. Through the days of COVID. On the day of God's judgment. And through all eternity. As if you're standing. On the foundation stone of God's promises. Which are all yes and amen in Christ. There really is no middle way. He is either the stone that you are standing on this morning or he will be the stone that you stumble over. He is either the foundation that you are building your life upon or he will be the foundation you will trip over. He is either the stone that will keep you secure or he is the stone that will crush you. When he returns in glory. To judge the world. Who are you trusting in this morning? That's what everything really boils down to. Please, please don't put your hope. Put your trust, put your desire for security, peace, rest, repose. In anything other than Christ. Put it in Jesus. Put it in the one who said, Come to me. All you who are weary and heavy burdened. And I will give you rest. And wherever you are, whatever circumstances you are going through, whatever challenges may be upon you, Let me say, if you have yet to do that, would you do that now? Even as we close, even as we pray. Father, I pray that you would take your word and all that is there for us, all that you would have us hear and understand and indeed take our stand upon, you would enable us by your grace to do just that. Lord, these days continue to be challenging. But Father, I pray that in the midst of them and indeed throughout all of life, you would help us, Lord, not to be a people who, when faced with challenges, look in or look around, who attempt by our own cleverness to be our own saviour, but to be a people who always and instinctively look to you, look to the Lord Jesus. And Father, I pray that if there are any tuning in here this morning or perhaps later, as they uh, have opportunity, who are outside of the love of Christ, who know nothing of the peace and the security that he can give in this life and in the one to come. Then, Lord, you would open their eyes that they might see their need of a Savior. And you would soften their hearts so that they might embrace the wonder of this Savior. For these things we ask in his precious and powerful name. Amen.